welcome to the UWA Alumni Voices podcast. My name is Anna Heenan and today I'm chatting with Nisha Seth. Hi Nisha. Hello Anna, how are you? Good, thanks. She's an experienced organisational psychologist and the president of the UNAA Young Professionals in Western Australia with a Masters in Psychology from UWA. Today she'll be sharing with us some helpful tips and strategies for supporting yourself and those around you mentally during isolation and working from home. So we're living in a very unique and challenging time with so many people needing to quarantine and self-isolate to slow down the spread of coronavirus. What are you seeing as the main things that people are struggling with emotionally? Thank you, Anna. Yes, certainly there's uh, medical, economic and psychological challenges at bay here. I think um, given some of the recent increasing in restrictions, um, each day it does change in terms of presentation. But I'll start, I guess, overall, we know that anxiety um, is fed by fear and uncertainty, and this is one of the key presentations. Also, some depressive symptomology. So obviously, isolation hits introverts and extroverts quite differently. So knowing oneself and, and understanding what your normal daily routine is can be integral to thinking about um, ahead, rather, um, and being prepared of what might be some of the challenges uh, that you are faced with um, at this time where we are isolating. Um, you know, I mentioned the financial um, challenges, um, I guess on an economic level, the government is doing its best um, to certainly provide stimulus packages in various areas. So one that we heard announced very recently, actually last night, was around um, more assistance for mental health providers beyond Blue, Lifeline and private providers as well around the telehealth platform and greater access to bulk billing services to increase people's ability to reach out for support. So in terms of presenting factors, anxiety is certainly um, a key one. Um, I think also some grief and loss. Um, we need to remember that at this time, whilst we're got a lot of um, employees who are being stood down temporarily whilst we are able to navigate and really collectively work together to move forward, that this provides a really, I guess, challenge around how do we from a survival perspective, protect our families? How do we um, ensure we can still connect? How can we pay our business loans? There are so many roll-on effects. So I think certainly um, I do have some tips we'll talk about later around that in terms of reaching out for the right support and taking things step by step. Yeah. Um, but our challenges are, are certainly not completely new. They're just more intense because no one was expecting this to come on so quickly and and lots of generational generations now have not been through world wars or any kind of inhibition period. So um, yeah, certainly um, a heightened intensity of the current emotions an individual has and yeah. also sort of added absorption from uh, having to obviously be human and listen to other people's challenges too. Yeah, no, that's very true. So, so many Australians now have either elected to or have been told to work from home for an indefinite period of time. So what advice can you give those people to try and help themselves through the transition and, and stay productive? Yeah, absolutely. So we talk about social isolation, social distancing and working virtually sort of simultaneously at the moment. I think most of us have probably read that it's really physical distancing. So the language we use around this is you can be physically distanced from somebody or another being, uh, but you can still be socially connected. So I guess the first level of advice and thought, I guess, rather to, to give people in their mind is really think about 
how am I explaining the current situation to myself? So we know when we talk about um, you know, resilience, which is a word I know used a lot, but sort of proactive um, resilience, it's about how do we explain a situation in the most helpful way? And the most helpful way quite often when we've had such a big change is to be completely open and honest about how you're actually feeling. So write down the raw feelings if you're more of a visual person um, or talk it through over the phone with someone to say, okay, if I'm explaining that I'm really fearful of not having uh, the physical contact with someone, it's quite often that one of my clients I was talking to the other day said, no, it's actually the challenge of feeling like I'm not emotionally connected to someone. So then it's an opportunity to go, well, how do I fill that gap? How can I still emotionally connect? with another individual and gain the same meaningful interaction and gain my purpose. So being able to identify first that it is physical distancing we're talking about, which I don't minimise, that's extremely challenging for us. A lot of us were quite touchy. <laughs> but I think the second component though is being able to go, well, how do I stay emotionally connected? So we can physically distance and stay socially connected and emotionally connected. So a way to do that, one, one very simple strategy is routine. So we all know we're on these virtual meetings now and it is still important to you know, get up, have your shower at the same time, do your routine, get dressed. There's, big, there's, there's a big body of research around your morning routine, actually. I, a lot of people have probably heard about the importance mm -hmm. of making your bed in the morning. And, yeah, it's um, <laughs> yeah, so much more important now if you're bed is next to your office <laughs> oh absolutely yes it says a lot about your environment so some of us are going to get a bit neater in our houses <laughs> that's fine um so i think um i think having that routine and, and being kind to ourselves that you know it may seem very odd in the first week to be sort of maybe getting dressed the top half and the bottom half when people are only like a broadcaster only seeing the top half of your body yeah um, but being able to still feel like you're getting ready for something meaningful um, for those that are at home that might not be working, and this is a large portion of people that may have chosen to take leave or they, they physically they can't do their jobs at home, this is where we have the more, I guess, existential conversations around what is my purpose? You know, what is something meaningful that I can do? And there are many therapists, um, health experts, counsellors, psychologists you know, out there that you can have spiritual leaders, that you can have conversations with at this time that you otherwise might not have in your life or have the opportunity to have around, I'm, I'm feeling alone, I'm, I'm sitting here, I'm not sure what to do. And I've had many existential conversations with clients around purpose and meaning. And I know that this might seem a bit abstract for some people who are very, and I'm a scientist as well, so yeah. I appreciate thinking about, okay, I'm, I'm here to do a task, A, B, C, D, E, F, not trying to put anyone in a box there, but talking more so about myself. But the opportunity to expand your mind and go, well, I can still think of meaningful tasks that I can schedule into my day. And that's what we want with routines. So we want the same routine in the morning, having one to two tasks in the morning, you're still able to go out and go for a walk with one other person, socially distanced, um, physically distanced rather, and then being able to come home and plan maybe your, your cooking, your evening routine. I know I've downloaded Netflix, I never normally watch TV, so I'm trying to get mm. something different happening. And then obviously you can still go into your backyard and do activities with your family unit. So yes, the world has changed, but I think if we first have a routine, 
The second tip I can give everyone too, and because a lot of us like to achieve, that's a part of meaningfulness and, and purposefulness, is setting some targets. So professional development is what a lot of organisations are promoting for their employees when they're at home at the moment. So the world has changed and I think acceptance around that um, makes life easier of going, well, if my job is not something um, I may or may not be able to go back to, or well, you know what, I might change my mind having all this time to think you know, on my, on my own terms of what I would like in life. Uh, what else can I retrain in? What online courses can I do in the interim um, to increase my knowledge base? And then you can get someone in your household or virtually if you're living alone to test you on that. So just like you'd go and see a personal trainer, uh, you have a trainer online who you're accountable to, mm. um, to say, okay, I might be learning a language, I might be learning a technical skill set. I might be uh, learning presentational facilitation skills, which you can do online. We were doing that before as well. You know, all of these things that you might otherwise not think of. So setting meaningful goals is another one. I think also if you are at work, and once again, if you're part of a social group, is you can still maintain that regular team meeting or team contact. So I'll tackle number one, if we're at work, um, a lot of leaders are still having daily team meetings in the morning that are voluntary. So it's not to watch yep. the clock and make sure everyone's logged on, but to say, well, do you know what? We all go about our days, it's gonna be a bit different, but from nine to 9.30, giving you the opportunity to check in with your team, ask any questions. Be available. Mm. Yeah, absolutely, be available, spot on. And then um, at the end of the day, the same thing. So people still have points to look forward to and to connect and have conversations. And it's efficient, just like as if we were physically in the office. Uh, we have set available times and we're not interrupting each other unnecessarily. Or And it doesn't take away, obviously, from people informally if they normally contact each other doing that over the phone as well. I would also say, um, just looking ahead, is be really patient with our Wi-Fi and online services because I know that there's strategy to increase capacity, but in some regions um, we are seeing some challenges with connectivity already and I know that's being addressed just through some friends in that industry. So just being patient if you can't connect that you will be able to, it's just a matter of time. And then obviously in terms of um, if you're at home and you're not connected to your workplace uh, because you've been, the workplace is closed for the temporary, for the time being, it's all your clubs. So if you're part of, you know, whether it's a religious group, a book club, a sporting, a running club, I know you, you know, can't run or you could run in front of a computer, I guess, and people could look at you. But um, what you could do is be able to still have a meaningful connection. So pick two to three topics that you might want to talk about in a given meeting, maybe pick a lead for that meeting and have it every couple of days, whatever works for you, whatever terms of reference, but keep that going. Um, yoga instructors are still going and Pilates instructors, but I always say to people, for goodness sakes, be careful online. We've all probably done this, but there's a mute button and there's a video button and we always joke about being able to have the remote control well I do anyway I should speak on else's behalf but you know be able to mute someone or turn something off we actually have the physical ability to do this now so I'm not minimizing the challenge of adapting but I am making light of the fact that I have heard a few stories particularly from a friend who's doing Pilates online where she's trying to I guess you know correct someone's uh, posture through now learning how to explain things rather than going and touching and and saying things that you could otherwise say quietly when you turn around but she said it realized it's gone to everyone <laughs> so there's going to be little things like that so be really kind to yourself around that and it's we make light of it a little bit joke about it um, like anything we do that's new we will learn to adapt 
And the most important hope is that, you know, once we move through this as a, co as a collective, the exciting thing is that we're going to all have bigger skill sets, okay, one way or another. We're all in different ends of the continuum right now, feeling differently, and I get that. But you know, if we stick together, we'll leave no one behind and we'll be able to put all our collective skill sets together and come out with a very different view of um, how to operate and connect as human beings. And that that's something that I see as a light at the end of yeah. you know, this, this darker tunnel we're in at the moment. I really like that you've mentioned that because it's very easy for people, you know, because there are things that people are losing in this process, but you focused on the fact that we can adapt and change and learn some new skills. And for the people who aren't able to work during this time, focusing on finding meaning and possibly retraining, upskilling, doing things that they haven't had the opportunities to do in the past. And obviously I'm excluding you know, people who may just have to pause their current job and, and go back to it and find something in the meantime. But it's a really interesting opportunity that we've been presented with, particularly in a professional sense where we're used to going to work every day and, um, you know, sort of accessing people in person. Um, mm, absolutely. So you've, you've given some really good tips and, and you touched on some skills that leaders and supervisors can implement as well to help their team stay productive, which I think is really important for them. So my next question is around emotional support that, that people can provide for their family and friends and colleagues and just some little things that people can do to check in, you know, without being overbearing, but just to, to make sure that people around them are feeling supported by them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, I think this is just to my sort of, I touched on this very lightly to the last question, but I think this time, if we really look at it a bit existentially too, it's um, a real opportunity to one, um, I guess, get to know, uh, I joke about this a little bit, but the dark side of our real selves, because we are sitting with ourselves and that can be uncomfortable because we're normally so busy, but being able to really connect with others on a spaced level and I'll explain what I mean about that normally in life I'm sure we can all associate with saying hello to someone in the hallway and we're still walking we haven't stopped yeah. we haven't looked them in the eye um and I'm not talking about an awkward long look in the eye but yeah. you know being able to just actually stop in a creepy way but being able to just stop and 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 be in a space and I think whilst we obviously physically are not going to do that now, um, we can still really slow our minds down to be able to, when we check in, call someone and say, hello, how are you? And I know this sounds prescribed at the moment, there's a method to my madness here, is just stop, wait, and really actively listen. So it's a time to build your active listening skills and what we call sort of a shared empathy. So if you can empathy map in your head, if you're able to have enough time, which often a lot of us don't have because we cram our lives and, and it's not that we cram it. Sometimes we just have so much going on in modern life with families and work and volunteer work, our parents, all sorts of things. Uh, but now, given the um, level of isolation, maybe the slower pace um, of, of life, we can stop and go, well, how really are you? Mm. Let's, let's talk about that. And if you're not sure the level of check-in, because you make a good point, some people are quite comfortable if they're more introverted too, particularly, um, you know, you need to check on the extroverts. Yeah. <laughs> not that you're not <laughs> introverts, but if, if you're quite, if someone does not want to be uh, asked how they are, because they might have five friends calling them every day and those five oh. friends might not know that each of the five friends are calling this one individual, um, it may be a case of, say, 
hey, you know, just really speak from the heart. Um, I love um, to the love and value language of saying, look, I just, I was just thinking of you, like really open honest. I was really just thinking of you and I wanted to check in, um, but I know that we're all checking in on each other at the moment. So please, 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 can you openly let me know if this is too much or what would work for you? And you can talk a reference yourself and say, you know, what works for me is X, Y, Z. It works for me to talk to someone at 9.30 in the morning or, do you know what, I don't like to prescribe a time. I just like to know that I can shoot a text out. So a lot of people have WhatsApp groups with their friends and what they'll do is they'll send one text out to say, anyone feel like a chat? And then any one of those friends will say, yes, me or me. And that suits because what that means is that it's like a support network. Um, Whilst a few people may if we have kids, they might be in their witching hour, might not be able to do that. A couple of others uh, might be able to. So um, it's sort of efficiency as well in that sense, um, which works really well. I think in terms of the check-in as well is think about what you do when you check in with someone. So you might, you know, if you're calling someone every two hours going, how are you? It does get quite intense um, answering that question. So it could be, you know, how are you in the morning? And it could be, oh, this afternoon I'm going to watch this Netflix show, which I'm not I'm catching up with technology, but apparently you can actually watch Netflix with people now as well yep, at the same time. Yeah. So you can actually, whether it's that or whether it's actually talking about a particular issue or um, a, a learning principle, depending who you're talking to, set a topic for that. So similar like the group situation with the check-in, set a topic. It's not particularly just to check in on me. Let's let's distract ourselves a bit and actually talk about something we would if we were normally going out for a coffee. So the meaningfulness is important. So check-in, the next level is the meaningfulness. Um, I think that innovating on how we connect is really important. So we know that a sense of belonging is pivotal um, to meeting our human needs. So with, you know, a decrease of, um, as I mentioned before, religious, sporting and general social groups, we, we should be trying to move these online and sort of innovate um, around. So I know there's a running group that I was a part of um, and they are also mapping. So quite, we're quite competitive around measuring our baselines, um, not from a, a rude way, but from a uh, let's motivate each other. Yeah. Um, so being able to share that. So I used to do that before. We used to send each, send each other screen snaps when we weren't physically able to meet. Now we're not physically meeting, obviously, for the, for the time period in the future. We can still do that. You can still go out on your run on your own. Um, or you can run with one other person. So very good for, um, as um, Scott Morrison said, for ladies who might be worried to run on their own, particularly sure, yeah. or men as well, um, you can go with one other person. Uh, or go at a peak, like a busy, slightly busier time. I went around Lake Munger recently and everyone was so conscious of physical distancing, but you didn't feel alone because there were people out and about and it was daytime. So, And then you can, you can once again take that baseline and share it with your, your friends and motivate each other. The last point around supporting those around us, um, sort of near and far, is knowledge and resource sharing. So I think um, particularly on the financial front, a lot of small businesses and leaders I've been working with in those businesses obviously have the not just the medical challenges of their staff and um, the emotional challenges in helping support and absorbing um, that. They also have the financial realities. So what I would recommend, and look, I'm certainly not an accountant, um, so I think that's the first point of call in terms of getting expertise around your business and your finances. But number, what I've been told is a number of the businesses are going to their accountants who are assisting them with the necessary paperwork um, to be able to make the right decisions for the longevity or the current closure or whatever it might look like just for now of their business. And that's been really helpful to get that out of the way. It's often the thing we avoid, the things that will hurt us, we feel the most. If you can get the financial element 
sorted for you at the moment and have the security of, okay, if I do need to go to Centrelink and I do need to get this assistance, let's just set up the bones of what the next six or so months may look like. Um, and then at least I know I can provide from a survival. So we know through, as a psychologist, I can say survival is imminently important. And I know, Anna, that you would agree with me on that, with your background. So if we can get the survival sense of belonging, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, if we can get that as a human connection together, and I know we can, um, and support each other, then we are absolutely, and we are going to move through this. So I think in terms of practical assistance, it can be as large as, I guess, if you've got a business and you're going and getting support from an accountant, to just in your household, if you're um, a stay-at-home mum or you're now you're a stay-at-home dad or you're, um, you're not working anymore, it's think, for now it's um, about thinking, okay, who can I help? Because random acts of kindness, we know the release physiologically of oxytocin and, um, you know, just good citizenship behaviour that we all we all have, I'm sure, is helping someone set up Wi-Fi. So, you know, if you have like an elderly neighbour who um, is not going to be able to connect with someone or they may be fearful. So I've heard stories of um, some of the elderly now, particularly with the changes last night around um, plus 70, you know, recommended to, to stay home. They can still go outside with a carer or whatnot, but in terms of going to public places for now, to stay in is just checking in on them. So literally knocking on their window, keep your physical distance and saying, do you need anything? Do you need some toilet rolls? Sorry to throw that in, but that's still mm. a joke burning. But like, you know, what do you, what do you need? Yeah. Yeah, make meals, um, help connect their Wi-Fi, um, small things, random acts of kindness. I've made meals for people um, and it helps you because you want to, you're cooking, you're, you feel meaningful. So yeah. what can I do for you? Just asking people, I really want to help. You're helping me by me helping you. Help me yeah. help you. I love that. And being able to reach out. So there's plenty of things we can do in terms of resource sharing. And the old, you know, I love the idea of the old. My mum was telling me about in the olden, olden days when they lived on a property, they used to, you know, swap a bag of crayfish for a bag of vegetables. I yeah. think that's a fair swap in this modern society. <laughs> but, but, you know, it was the idea of, you know, let's help, let's stop, let's have a chat, let's have a drink, let's swap things. I'm obviously physically distanced now, but... We can swap things. So let's think about how we how we share our resources and get through this together rather than, you know, rushing off to the store and buying as much as we can because we've all been assured by the government that our food suppliers are in a good position here in Australia um, to be able to take care of our population with our food. We always have been. So, you know, I think that's just important. Sorry to digress a bit there, but to keep all of that in mind as well. Yeah, that's a great concept of helping yourself by helping others and just that that feeling you get from those small acts of kindness, like you said, that that's a really, really nice thing to fall back on when you're feeling overwhelmed and, and stressed. And yeah, it's um, about it's about joy. Sorry to jump in again, yeah. Anna, but it's just like this, you know, your um if if you if people Google like the meaning of of real joy and you do some reading on that, um, I'd or challenge everyone to do that because joy comes from your inner self and never has been a better time to get to know your inner self more you know in terms of Very shared true. joy it's not just about doing things to make yourself happy it's it's about inner joy seeing someone else happy it just it makes i'm sure people who are listening can equate to it it just makes your heart warm when you can see someone who's been working really hard and they particularly at uwa like you know all the academic lecturers and yeah. tutors support workers like you put your heart and soul into something and you see a little light bulb in someone's head and you think oh gosh you know my heart it's a time for that now that's the feeling i'm sort of talking about yeah absolutely there's so much positivity to focus on despite 
you know, how much news there is and coverage and fear and widespread sort of panic that I think is um, hopefully going to shift once, once people start seeing the opportunities that are presented to them in this space. So um, you've mentioned quite a few different resources that I'll put in the notes for this podcast that people can access, but what are the main ones that you would recommend people access if they're having really tough times mentally during, during this period of, of um, isolation and working from home and some of the things that you think are particularly helpful for people? Yeah, absolutely. So I think what's important in terms of just evidence-based information, because often anxiety is born of fear and fear can be born from non-evidence-based information that we're getting, which no one, I'm not saying that any of the mainstream media channels are purposefully not providing this information. It's mm. providing, you know, information. They're doing the best they can with what they get, certainly. And, um, and also it's just the level of information. So I think being able to set a routine where you're checking, you're checking your, um, I'll use abc.net, but I think the most, the one that I recommend is the World Health Organization from mm. more of a systemic level. They provide a lot of resources you can read around mental health, but particularly around the pandemic, there's a lot of professionals publishing um, on there as well. In terms of um, obviously the government's website, the health, and I'll send through the exact link because to be honest, um, I've got it on my an app on my phone, but I got it downloaded the other day, so I can't remember the exact link, but I'll send that through. In terms of from an emotional perspective, um, I don't know, uh, most people have probably heard of um, Dr. Brené Brown, uh, but she has an exceptional podcast at the moment in terms of unlocking the mind and uh, it refers to a lot of what I've been talking about to a degree as well around, um, you know, really um, getting into your inner self, looking at your unique sort of pathway in this situation and, and being really kind to yourself mm. um, given the circumstances. In terms of mental health resources, um, as mentioned earlier, the government's put, and so please, an exceptional um, amount of resource into our main pro large providers that are 24-7 uh, mostly, um, which is Beyond Blue and Lifeline and Headspace Kids Helpline particularly rather and I think um, they are obviously a great point of contact for triage and by triage I mean certainly there are we we have a lot of health professionals in Western Australia where we're really geared up and powered and, and passionate so reaching out really important to reach out um, there are a lot of private practitioners out there who are offering their services on telehealth now purely obviously just for safety at this time that are able to take your calls as well and we're all very well connected too so if there is a specific issue whether it's to do with potentially parenting because um, I know a lot of parents have their kids at home at the moment they're trying to work or they're not or whatever is happening or uh, relationships as well this is going to be trying time for relationships we're not used to seeing each other so much um, <laughs> All of these, uh, all of these very unique yet shared challenges. Be sure that we're all sharing this together. Better once you talk it through. And so there's relationship counsellors available. I mean, there's Relationships Australia. Obviously, we know there's a lot of big providers, but there's a lot of specific private providers as well that can be triaged to that you can Google and call and book into. So reach out, reach out to. Um, I'll put all the resources in the notes, but reach out to any one of those resources and they can triage you if you've got a specific challenge. There are experts in that area that can absolutely help. What you're going to see a lot of as well, and I know because I'm involved in a bit of this work separately, is online um, sort of virtual interactive as well training programs. And this is to meet the demand of professional development, but also a lot of psychologists 
lot of us work in the media as well already. So we're quite keen to get out there and keep things ticking along. So you'll probably see us posting more and, and getting involved. If there's anything that anyone listening on the podcast now would like to see from their health professionals, from a telehealth perspective or whatever it might be, um, or a particular area of focus, please let us know. Yeah, because I think it's a Shahari window. We don't know what we don't know. Um, we're all valuable, unique individuals. So if we've got an idea, chances are, though, still that other people have that idea and they may have not passed it on. So if there's a mechanism, Anna, where people can obviously provide that feedback, I'd be so pleased. I'd really value to get that feedback so we can feed that back into the allied health community and, and do our best as things progressively change over the coming weeks to, to meet how people are feeling. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll include Nisha's professional contact details in the notes as well, if you wanted to get in touch with her about uh, anything that you'd like to see more of. Thank you so much, Nisha, for sharing all that knowledge and wisdom with us from a mental health and organisational perspective. It's just been so interesting and I've certainly learnt a lot. And um, I really look forward to uh, being able to share this with the alumni community as well. So those resources that you've mentioned will be included in the notes. And if anyone has any questions, please feel free to get in touch with us and we can connect you either with Nisha or with, with someone else in this field. Um, and to all our listeners, please don't forget to subscribe to UWA Alumni Voices and review us if you like what you're hearing. Hopefully we'll do a follow-up episode with Nisha a little bit down the track when we're looking at coming out of this self-isolation period and, and how to manage that transition <laughs> at the other end. Because <laughs> I think Absolutely. that's going to be another very um, interesting space. So, But thank you so much, Nisha, again. And I hope you stay healthy and safe. And same to all of our listeners out there. Thanks a lot. Thank you.